Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with Simon Zambrowski about event handling and sagas in Axon Framework. We covered other topics such as query handling, storage, event processors, Axon Server, and more. Just a note that in this episode, Simon's referenced uh, an episode about event streaming versus event sourcing that I recorded with Allard, but I mistook that episode with another one I did with Stephen on message handling. So uh, my apologies, but this is the one that um, I did with Allard that uh, Simon is mentioning. But I do recommend you to listen to both of these episodes because they are both very much relevant to the topic of uh, this conversation. So um I really hope you enjoyed this talk. It was very, very informative and wonderful. And uh, let's have a listen. Hi, Simon. How are you today? Hi, Sarah. Thank you. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me again today for some really uh, great conversations. I always enjoy talking with you, so I appreciate you joining me today. So... Let's talk about one of those topics that um, comes up quite frequently when uh, we talk about um, CQRS and uh, uh, event and command handling. Um, So we're focusing today on event handlers. Can you tell me a little bit about them and why are we talking about them? Why is it important to talk about event handlers? Yeah, with a pleasure. So actually, uh, I think you spoke about many facilities of Excellent Framework already and covered a lot of aspects of them. Um, And... You know, your podcasts are just great because they go really deep and extend the understanding of the framework and the D method in general. But I'd like to to discuss um, more um, things, how how you can use these facilities to construct the new systems and why are they actually built in a way they are built. Um, Mm -hmm. So and how to use them as basically building blocks during the design of your application. So I'm glad you brought up the design of the application because that's where it all begins, right? When we uh, talk about uh, CQRS, that's basically the um, the architectural uh, structure that we're uh, using to uh, make it a little bit, um, in, in some ways, uh, a little bit more complex because there's a lot of uh, time and effort has to go into the designing the application. But um, eventually it makes it a little bit uh, easier to um, expand the systems and make them grow um, as as we uh, have these uh, business um, ideas and business demands change. We have to, of course, change the system. So CQRS actually helps with that. So, um, But let's dive a little bit deeper into that. And of course, we're um, sort of, as we're talking about events, we're in the middle of commands and queries a little bit. So uh, let's let's discuss that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in general, you know, there is this notion of change, right? So the command accepts something, uh, the command model, and then uh, the query model eventually needs to know about this change, right? Right, right. So, and there are many ways how you can implement that. And um, Axon provides us with, a, with an idea to say, you know, just use this notion of event right. to transport this change from the command model to the query model. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, also there are many implementation of events in, mm-hmm. in systems. And in Java, it's usually, you know, it's just a simple pojo, so mm-hmm. plain all Java object. Mm-hmm. And then it just 
um, yeah serialized to some message and then send over to the to the query model okay so in the same time we know if 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 our aggregates use event sourcing for persistence mm -hmm. then we use this same serialized message and store the uh, those okay. messages inside of an event store mm -hmm. and then um, an aggregate can uh, yeah uh, rehydrate itself or the command model can rehydrate itself by replaying all those mm -hmm. uh, events for a particular aggregate and right. then getting state back right yes so of course this is this is this notion of not only having cqrs but cqrs es so having event sourced aggregates and then we have a single point of truth which is mm -hmm. uh, yeah basically this uh, stream of events that is used Right, absolutely. And um, when we're generally speaking about event handling, um, we're basically, these are the event listeners, right? Where um, we have a command sending uh, the request and then this event is actually um, acting on that command that is being received. So whether um, we're trying to um, update a view model, for instance, or forward these updates to other components like um, third-party um, integration systems or something like that. But also in some cases, we do have event handlers that throw events themselves based on um, whatever patterns of events that uh, they're receiving it from so that they can even send commands to trigger further changes, which we will talk about a little bit uh, later um, in, our, in our discussion. But let's uh, first focus on the uh, receipt of the event messages. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, as, 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 as you said previously, so one of the, one of the core idea why we need those, uh, um, those events is, uh, basically this transport mechanism between the command model and the query model. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to command model where, you know, we have aggregates and there are, there is a lot of, uh, yeah, helping infrastructure from the Axon framework, mm -hmm. how to build it. In query models, uh, query models are much more easier to, to construct and to build. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Essentially, these are components uh, which provide two ways, uh, or basically two two classes of, of uh, methods uh, to right. the uh, to the framework. Mm -hmm. uh, one are event handlers, uh, and the others are query handlers. Right. And event handlers is a way to uh, to feed these uh, query models with new information. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, basically, we react on events uh, or on an event stream mm -hmm. and uh, fill up our data, right? And right. the query models are the opposite. That's the way how to how to read information from these mm -hmm. uh, query mm -hmm. models, right? So this is if we uh, submit a query is being dispatched, and then you know the the query model is being picked up um, by calling the corresponding query um, mm -hmm. handler, right? And yeah, and Axon Framework provides us with a very uh, easy uh, way of implementing those. So, so the usual methods with a special annotation. Right. And these annotations, um, yeah, being scanned actually, and then we get, uh, you know, a callback in our, in our system. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing more beside of that, actually. And this is very, very important. So it's, it's that easy. Um, so there is no, um, yeah, no one tells you how to build the query model, right? So yeah, you can you yeah. can you can decide um, um, what to do, mm -hmm. and uh, you can you can decide how to store your data if you want yes. to store your data or not. Yeah, 
you can you you may store it in memory you may store it in the relation database you may store mm-hmm. it in NoSQL storage you name it elastic search yeah. it, it depends on your use case of course and, yeah and this gives you a lot of flexibility and that's the reason why there is actually no first level support for the mm-hmm. query model itself or for query right. model persistence yeah um because it's it's up to you uh, yeah how to build it Exactly. And uh, I think that makes it very flexible um, on the, the storage side of it, because as you mentioned, there there are no uh, clear cut rules or set in stone, like you have to store it this way. It has to be, um, you know, um, say if you want to store it um, uh, in MongoDB, that's fine. If you want to store it as a, a SQL, that's fine. Um, of course, there's we normally recommend them to be sort of denormalized so there's not a whole lot of coupling uh, going on. Uh, so that it's easier to um, manage those queries, but of course, if if you want to, that's that's um, of course fine too. So, going further a little bit, um, are there any um, considerations or design decisions when we're constructing a query model? Yeah, indeed. Uh, so there are several things you you should reason about. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's it's always a good idea to design it from the query side. So not right. from the not from the uh, event side, and actually optimize it for query performance. You 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 just said it. Denormalized is is a good idea. So mm-hmm. uh, if you if you your query gets in, you don't want to to join across columns, right? Right, right. So you should store it in a way you you retrieve it, and mm-hmm. um, you should make sure you have good indices on everything. So you, it's it should be a very fast retrieval of the uh, of the result. Right. Um, Another another rule is, in general, you don't want to share query models for different purposes. Mm-hmm. So um, it makes sense to create specialized, tuned uh, query models. Right. And even if you have kind of the feeling that you are, you know uh, you have a code duplication, mm-hmm. that's okay because it's it's kind of cheap uh, right, to create right. this, and you yeah you get flexibility out of that. So mm-hmm. you can later on you can decide you know I have to tune this query and I have to tune that query and these tunings usually go in different directions. Right. So it's um, it's a good idea to uh, to basically to have separate uh, query models mm-hmm. and um, during this you know you want actually so it's kind of the opposite of this uh, yeah CRUD based design where you say you know you have right. a central uniform um, um, yeah, uh, r- referencing uh, itself complex data model that that mm-hmm. is being tracked, right? And it's all about you know um, uh, normalization. Here you say you know the, exactly the opposite. I denormalize yeah. <laughs> for a specific it, yeah. query to get mm-hmm. maximum performance during reading, mm-hmm. and I don't care if I have duplications. I see. Yeah, that that makes sense. And um, can we uh, talk about a little bit um, on? I, I had a conversation with Stephen uh, a few weeks ago about uh, uh, event processors and uh, the the tracking event processors. Can we touch on that a little bit as well here? Um, yeah. So, so the difference in processors is actually, um, uh, I mean, you have this uh, subscribing and tracking, right? As, yes, as the course. two existing, and there mm-hmm. is the third one, as, as I understood your podcast yes. in in doing, <laughs> um, uh, which yeah. is very interesting, very interesting topic. In in fact, um, uh, yeah. So, if you if you build a persistence of your query model, um, mm-hmm. then um, it's up 
yeah to you basically to to decide uh, uh, yeah what kind of uh, you know it is it is following it is following the event stream and it needs to know where it is in this event stream. Right. So how eventually are you with your query model in contrast to the source of the events, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? right? And to track this, uh, actually the there is a notion of this uh, uh, tracking uh, token, Tokens, right? Yeah. So the, yep. this tracking token shows you a position in the event stream, right? And the um, yeah and the tracking event processor tries actually to keep up with the token uh, and you know to be to be up to date all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so this is the way how you um, basically if you're using uh, tracking event processors this is the way how the uh, you keep up uh, with the ch- uh, with the with the changes mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. advantage of having um, or using tracking uh, processors event processes is that uh, this is a you know this can be executed in a completely separate thread so it's right. it's independent from the production of the events from mm-hmm. the source and it's just keeping up uh, with the changes right. um, and in general it's a good idea to to have a yeah, so you, this tracking token you, you need to store it somewhere, um, and mm-hmm. Axon provides a, a wonderful uh, uh, yeah abstraction for for doing this. There is a nice. so-called token store, mm-hmm. and in general, it's a good idea to store the token in the same way the query model persists itself. Right. Absolutely. So if you use MongoDB for query model, then use the Mongo uh, token store for the yeah. token. Yeah. And uh, if you're using a relation database, it's a good idea to use a relation. And if you have, you know, in memory model, then there is an in memory uh, token. Sure. Absolutely. So they should be in sync. Mm -hmm. um, Because uh, imagine you are in memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, This means, you know, if you restart your component, you you are forgetting everything. Then it's actually a good idea to have, you know, if you're forgetting the the, the state of the query model, Mm -hmm. you should also forget the, the token, right? Right. Because the token Absolutely. then would your 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 uh, tracking processor would say, okay, I have no token, so I have to mm-hmm. start at the beginning. Right. It will right. get up the full replay of the of the event stream, and the model will be up to date. Right. So yeah. this is Absolutely. kind of it fits together uh, that your primary persistence of the mm-hmm. query model and the token yeah. store should use the same technology. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the uh, actually the episode that I did with Stephen, we discussed the replay of um, all of these events in, in detail as well. So um, if anybody's interested, that's uh, discussed as well. Um, and also a spoiler alert, I will t- uh, in some future episodes, um, not sure exactly when, but I will uh, cover uh, MongoDB um, as well as uh, Axon Surfer um, uh, as, as a, uh, an event store. Um, but Kind of let's come back to the notion that we talked about the event handlers are uh, connecting the command and query models, um, as we discussed a little bit earlier. So are there any other use cases for um, event handling components? Yeah, good that you ask. Uh, apart from this query model itself, there are f- yeah several other um, components or maybe even scenarios mm-hmm. where you m- might want to use event handler. Right. And uh, if we go... Um, and speak about them. I'd like to um, to focus, or basically, it's not a f- it's not a focus. I would just name this because this mm-hmm. kind of there is this notion of handling side effects, mm. which is pretty important for what does it mean for DDD and secure S in yeah. general. And um, so, and what do you mean by side effects? <laughs> yeah, I mean you you had this wonderful podcast with with Yvonne, 
for example. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were speaking about, you know, set-based validation. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for, for everyone who, uh, yeah, hasn't had time to listen to it yet, just do it. It's, it's That's a really very good interesting. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good one. <laughs> um, but just a small summary. Uh, so um, if you want to validate a constraint on set of values, and this set mm-hmm. is con- uh, basically part of your, uh, of your uh, uh, command model, Right. And represented, for example, by a set of different um, uh, aggregates. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So there is no this uh, single instance where, whom you can ask and say, "Give me, give me, um, you know, uh, is my is my command valid or not?" But you right. have actually to ask all of them. So yeah. it's obviously not not easy to maintain. So right. imagine we are we we have something like I don't know we have uh, customers and uh, customers need to register with an email address and we make we want to make sure that every email address is unique in our system. So right. we shouldn't uh, reuse them. Mm-hmm. And since uh, yeah, every customer would be represented by the aggregate, there is no place where we can say, you know, uh, give us the check if this email address is already used or not. And the email yeah. address is not the target aggregate identifier. So we cannot use the Exxon framework underlying infrastructure to check that. So in this case, right. um, there will be the the technique is 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 in general in, independent how you uh, how you uh, hook up this validation inside mm-hmm. of your code. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd like to check against the strong consistent storage, not about the uh, eventually consistent storage. Which mm-hmm. means that you know you have something like a backing uh, table that contains right. all email addresses of all customers that ever registered, mm-hmm. and you check uh, against this table uh, during your command uh, dispatch. And in the same transaction, you are writing a change to this data uh, mm-hmm. storage, right? Right, right. So this is, this is the idea. So you say, okay, in mm-hmm. the beginning, you have nothing. The first uh, time you say, I create the customer, you check, uh, you, you find out there is nothing. Mm-hmm. And during this transaction commit, there will be a, a, a modification to a email address table, which will then contain the email address of the first customer. I see. And since you know, Axon Framework provides this notion of, um, yeah, handling or dispatching command one after another, you mm-hmm. have a strong system and strong, yeah, consistency on uh, on uh, on the aggregate level. Yeah. And this will lead uh, basically that so you have a full serialized, uh, yeah, uh, stream of commands actually. Right. And that right. means that you can, uh, yeah, you can basically uh, use this. Uh, backing uh, backing table as uh, for reference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so why it's a side effect yeah from aggregates point of view it, of course it's a side effect right so right, it has right. nothing to do with the primary persistence of the of the mm-hmm. re- aggregate itself right right it is not a member of aggregate it is if, yeah. you, if you model it as an aggregate there is something like you know uh, and technically and Yvonne speaks about this you know spec- technically you will have something like you know an interceptor probably mm-hmm. in the command dispatching mm-hmm. way or yeah. you have a special service injected to the aggregate right. but it's it's not if you if you choose for example to use event sourcing mm-hmm. it is not event sourced right. it is just you know hooked in using the framework mm-hmm. and this modification is also hooked in your, during uh, using the framework right 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 and uh, yeah, typically you hook in this change or uh, this modification actually as a subscribing event handler. Mm-hmm, subscribing mm-hmm. because using subscribing in the same virtual machine will lead up 
to executing the event in the, in the same thread exactly. and in the same yep. transaction. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what we want, right? So we want yes. to make sure that the same the transaction that that dis, that is used for the mm-hmm. dispatching of the command is mm-hmm. used to modify this storage. Right, absolutely. And um, one of the things that uh, you mentioned as we talked a little bit before was uh, the notion of um, if this happens outside of the bounded context. So uh, let's discuss that a little bit. So. Um, when we did talk about aggregates a little bit, um, let's maybe start with that. So inside of an aggregate um, with this, in the same bounded context, how can we um, how can we use this sort of the notion of the CQRS and event sourcing application and basically handling our events? Yeah, okay. So inside, yeah, okay. So inside the same bounded context, it's, uh, if you look on the uh, CQRS application or mm-hmm. especially Axon application, um, then uh, an aggregate is just just you know just have a kind of uh, you know structural view on this on like like system thinking right <laughs> right, right. A, it's a, it's a small device and mm-hmm. what can it do independent from the 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 functional logic it's implementing yeah it is receiving commands mm-hmm. and emitting events right right so if i have one of that that's kind of easy what to do Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I have two independent of them, so I have two consistency boundaries inside of my bounded context, right. which uh, are responsible for maintaining this consensus independent from each other. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, then if I want to connect them, I have just a structural problem, right? Because yeah, they're emitting yeah. events and I have to consume commands. So there must be a bridge between them, right? Exactly, right. Uh, but yeah so if you if you do ddd and uh, basically do the requirement engineering uh, one of the methods of uh, collaborative modeling or mm-hmm. yeah event uh, uh, storming or whatever then there is there is a notion of this right so mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is a notion of uh, of a, uh, yeah of a rule that is described in terms of condition action okay um and yeah, so so people call it policy, or sometimes mm-hmm. it's called business process. Right. And so, ju- just to to give you an example, so imagine you have an aggregate that is, you know, uh, we are we are building an online store or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and we have a policy which says that um, whatever an order is placed, mm-hmm. um, a payment must must be executed. Right. Sure. Because we right. want that the orders are being paid at some point yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. And um, now imagine we, we model this, we have two aggregates. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have an aggregate responsible for the for the order management and the, right. the other aggregate responsible for all this payment stuff. Payment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what uh, if, if the, the command comes in and the order placed event mm-hmm. is being emitted by the by the first um, aggregate, right. then and the, 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 the payment aggregate needs to, to get something like execute payment command, right? So, right, right, right. And now we need some component that is listening to this order placed event and says, okay, now this event comes in and I have to apply this policy mm-hmm. um, or uh, yeah. And then we need to basically send out this execute payment command. Right. 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 So this is, this is the kind of, this, this is this kind of bridge between yeah. the two aggregates. Um, yeah. That we need to build. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now it gets really interesting because 
you know, what happens if essentially execute payment command is rejected by the corresponding entity? Right, I mean, right. it's responsible for its consistency state on its own. And for some mm -hmm. reason, it can say, you know, execute this payment command is not valid in this context. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in principle, this, exi this situation exists. Yeah. And yeah, so how to react to that? Right. So exactly, because I mean, right. we 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 already send it as an event from the other from the one, and mm -hmm. now we need you know. Uh, yeah, and so um, if we have a subscribing event processing use, used uh, to connect those two, yeah, we we might configure it in a way that it will propagate the exception to the to the origin, right? So yeah. usually it's not. Yeah. Usually it's will it will just skip an exception. So yeah, no problem. But mm -hmm. you configure an error handler on that mm -hmm. in a way that you propagate the exception basically to the origin. Right, right. Uh, and if you run on the same machine, that would mean that, you know, propagating to the origin means propagating to the same, to the, to the first unit of work for, of the first aggregate. Right. And this, uh, yeah, and this, is, this unit of work is responsible for a dispatching place order command. Mm -hmm. And this means that you know we 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 created kind of a pushback, mm -hmm, actually, mm -hmm. which is a good thing because yeah. we wanted this policy to be executed. And one of the steps is pro probably not uh, not executed, so we mm -hmm. we should basically uh, roll back all this and say you know this dispatch is not possible for any right, reason, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is uh, this is how how it can work if you if you choose correct event handlers to mm -hmm. to. Um, um, yeah, to communicate. By the way, if we in this case would use tracking event processor, mm -hmm. yes, then you know you have no chance of yeah actually communicating back right to the source. Yeah, yeah. Because you know so tracking is not tracking is just reading a, a series of facts. Mm -hmm. I mean mm -hmm. our event stream is you know is already published. It's already stored. Right. It's already there, and the tracking processor can just say okay. I'm reading something. There is an event saying, "Okay, we have uh, uh, basically um, uh, order placed event." So right, I have right, to right. react on this. Uh, my command dispatcher uh, refuses to execute execute payment command for mm -hmm, some reasons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the only thing I can do, I can send the command back to the first aggregate. Right, right. But I cannot. I cannot you know, prevent this aggregate from, from doing anything because it's already done, right? So it's exactly. already history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is how this event handler um, processor can be used, you know, if you have different requirements in mind. So if you right. want this pushback, subscribing may be a good idea. Mm -hmm. If you if you want to say, I'm just, you know, publishing facts to the outside world, then the tracking uh, would be. Yeah, it's a tracking, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is within that same bounded context. And um, another spoiler alert, I will have an episode about bounded context where we really explain what they are and how you can basically uh, choose which, um, which aggregates belong to which context. So um, in this case that uh, you brought this example of, okay, we have the um, aggregate where uh, it manages basically the uh, receive of uh, the order and then another aggregate which manages the, the payment. So let's say, let's say we put these in two different contexts entirely. So there are two different bounded contexts. One context is taking care of 
uh, say receiving your orders and the other context is uh, taking care of the, the payment or uh, we can have a, another system entirely that's a third party system that takes care of these. So basically talking about um, having different bounded contexts that need to then um, communicate amongst themselves, right? In that case, we have to have something else. So we can't really just simply use our event handlers and say, okay, communicate this command to you know this query, or even in some cases, as we talked about, um, send uh, even commands to trigger further changes, for instance. So if we have two different contexts and we have to communicate be- between those, we need something that uh, basically sort of translates in, in between these two, these two contexts. Can we talk about that a little bit? This is one of my favorite topics, so I'm <laughs> so uh, excited to talk about this. So tell me, good, tell good. me more. <laughs> uh, before we go to this, I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we spoke about a, a very kind of very simple case, right? Where we have yes. two aggregates, and everything that you handle. I mean, essentially, you are you you are handling it uh, completely on the caller stack mm-hmm. because the policy was so trivial, like to say, if this, then then. Yes. And there was only yeah. one condition, right? So we, mm-hmm. if we have only one condition, we don't really have a, I mean, we have a state, but we can't have, uh, hold this state on the stack, right? Right, absolutely. And uh, so it, this event handler is kind of stateless because it, it doesn't need to provide any information um, yeah, or basically connect any information together and mm-hmm. any information it can just act. If this method is called, especially if, if there is an event handler that is being called, then just uh, uh, yeah, create a command and, this, and uh, send it over. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets more interesting if if this process has several steps, right? So right. If we, right, say, right. Uh, we have multiple condition that needs to be met, and only mm-hmm. after several events are received, we have to we we can store it. So yes. uh, then we in this situation we get you know we get a state of this business process itself right, right, so it's right. not a state of the aggregate mm-hmm. but we we wait for i don't know customer is registered order is placed and order right. is confirmed for example right of course yeah so mm-hmm. there are several conditions we need to wait until we say okay now we we need to initialize the payment right okay? right right so we we get this notion of business process state mm-hmm. and in uh, yeah in our example, we can, you know, just going further and staying by this order shipment and, and so on, we can say, you know, the, we want to ship. So it's another, now it's another component and we we, we mm-hmm. want to make sure that it's shipped after the payment has been executed and the item is available in inventory, for example, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. two conditions, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so both both of them will run in, in the same bounded context, but yes. uh, run by different um, aggregates. Yeah, and uh, so we have kind of small business process, which is mm-hmm. started mm-hmm. by you know order placement, then making sure the payment is there. Then right. we have something like inventory uh, uh, check, and then we have this, and then in the end we are sending up our shipment. Right. Um, and yeah, the the instance of this event handling component responsible mm-hmm. for this business process needs to know what conditions are met already, mm-hmm. and what steps are already performed. And they yeah. don't have to be in this order, by the way, right? So they mm-hmm. can be, we can we can allow to say, you know, it doesn't matter in what order if we first pay and then check the inventory or another way around, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. completely flexible. Right, right. And still still we, we don't want, you know, to, to enforce the, you know, synchronous communication. So usually we just say, you know, 
they are asynchronous, so they can they can complete to any random times. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. after that, we yeah we have some result, right? Right, exactly. And, and the interesting the interesting story about this, is in order to implement this, the easiest way to implement this is mm-hmm. is that we we will we will include uh, introduce some fields inside mm-hmm. of this event handling component, right. which are responsible for holding this state. Okay, so we, yeah. we will say okay, uh, we check the inventory. Mm-hmm. So this is a yeah kind of stateful information right 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 and we the payment is completed okay yes. we, we have mm-hmm. a we have a success on, on the payment and this is right. another one and only after all of them are said we will send up the um yeah basically the uh, corresponding command right right and and yeah, yes, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. so so this is this is the so before you know switching from distributing aggregates to different one there is also mm-hmm, mm-hmm. inside of the same bounded context mm-hmm. you have this uh you have this notion of stateful event right handler. and this is uh, and in the end if we have a state so we uh, this that's that's the next challenge that comes in uh, mm-hmm. If uh, as long as you are stateless, you can same this. You can use the same instance of a class actually right. to handle multiple business processes, right? Because I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they just call the methods and then they are they are done, right? Exactly. If you're stateful, you cannot do that, right? Because mm-hmm. you need to track now that this is the order that is already uh, paid, but the inventory is not checked. And that's another yeah. order with another yeah. with another ID basically. Mm-hmm. And there, the inventory is already checked, but the payment is not. Right. So you have yeah. different instances of these business processes exactly. in your system, mm-hmm. in the same time. Yeah. And then there must be a way how how basically to find them, right? Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, so so coming back to your question, yeah, Axon Framework yeah. helps us already there. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I was going to ask, does Axon Framework do something for us? Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, it, there is a special artifact uh, provided by the Axon Framework designed mm-hmm. exactly to support this use case and exactly yes. for this purpose. So its uh, its current name is Saga. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some we rumors. We may change that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some rumors of changing the name to the process manager, not to uh, confuse people with, uh, you know. Yeah. There are some some uh, some people outside there who n- basically studied uh, computer science and databases right. and know databases. that there is a saga pattern there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, not to be confusing there. Yeah. yeah not, so there, are, it's in it's in the discussion phase still, as we yeah, what the next name might be or if, if that's going to be changed but yeah absolutely yeah so, so is, um, if, if, if you want me kind of you know as a definition i would say the saga is a stateful handling uh, event handling component that is capable mm-hmm. of holding a process state okay right. so that's why why we have this guy mm-hmm. and yeah so the minimum state that we uh, that we have is actually the position in our business process right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of you know in um I told you in previous times that I'm doing a lot of business process management uh, stuff yeah. with, uh, you yes. know, uh, process automation. Mm-hmm. And uh, there we have this uh, so-called token analogy. So yeah. um, if you imagine that you have a process model, like, like mm-hmm. an old graph, like, like mm-hmm. a um, BPMN model, for example, um, then uh, if you start an instance, then you can imagine that you just, you know, you put you put a, uh, a token on it, like mm-hmm. like on a game, yeah, on a tabletop game, you know, just putting a token right. someplace. And this token travel across the business process model mm-hmm. until it's finished. 
So, are you doing this? Uh, I have to ask. Are you doing this in your uh, table uh, soccer game that you were designing <laughs> as well? No, no, we we do, actually we don't. We we do have some processes there, but not uh, not a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because, <laughs> I just uh, had to ask because that was so, such an interesting topic we talked about last time. Um, yeah, so this this uh, token analog analogy is um, so it's the same here, right? So if you mm -hmm. have a business process, you can you can basically say, okay, at least I need to know where I am in this business process, right, right. Um, and uh, yeah, and sometimes yeah, and you you actually to 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 track this token, um, mm -hmm. there are different ways how you uh, how you can do uh, do this. Mm -hmm. uh, you can just you know introduce a state variable saying where I am. In addition to this, it's pretty common that you accumulate values during this business process. Okay. Because some values are delivered by the events in the very beginning of this business mm -hmm, process. Mm -hmm. And you need this information later on as you send out commands. Mm -hmm. um, and you need the yeah basically the same information. Right, and there right, are some right. intermediate events that are not carrying this information. Mm -hmm. And then you say like, okay, I need to, to store this Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so how is... does the persistence of sagas work? Oh, that's a very interesting topic. So I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I think it's one of the, um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of challenging. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we can speak why it's challenging. I think it's, uh, it can, it can be less challenging. I hope yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Axon framework is not really taking care of, um, or oh, let me put it differently. Uh, it, it it does it. it of course, it, it, it does take care <laughs> as usual. But uh, <laughs> the Axon server is not taking care of this. Mm -hmm. This is maybe the the reason why you run into this. So Axon framework itself just offers you to configure a serializer, which mm -hmm. is convert, mm -hmm. which is responsible basically for converting this uh, the value uh, or the the instance of a Saga uh, class. Mm -hmm. uh, into something that can be can be stored. So yeah. it's serializing serializing the value and deserializing the values. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can use a different implementation for storage, mm -hmm. as as usually in Axon framework. So you after it's serialized, you can say, okay, I want to store it in GDBC. So using relation database and GDBC mm -hmm. mapping, or GPA or Mongo or whatever, right? So, yeah, or sure. on your own uh, if mm -hmm. you if you want to implement one. Right. So there is a Saga store which is responsible for for writing it down and Mm -hmm. reading it back and mm -hmm. there is a serializer responsible for yeah doing this how to construct a class from uh, essentially a blob or a string right. or whatever and that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um what is um what was at least confusing to me at some point mm -hmm. um, i mean in uh, you have the test fixtures to test sagas yeah um, is the same way how you have them for the aggregates you the have aggregates. them for sagas mm -hmm. and those I intended to test that the process runs correctly, mm -hmm. right? So it's what you're testing there is this notion of you 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 are expecting some events to occur and you make right. sure that the commands are dispatched. Okay. okay. Yes. So this connection is tested, mm -hmm. not the persistence. This is very important. So, uh, in addition, so what I do now. Definitely, every time I always test serialization on deserialization for saga of sagas. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. writing dedicated tests. Right. We just make sure that you know a saga can be uh, loaded from you know a minimal set of data, 
Mm-hmm. And then some, you know, some full set of data and serialized. Right. So, so I, mm-hmm. I'm really testing uh, the serialization because if you you if you forget to configure it correctly, or your serializer right. is not working, or you are not your class is not serializable because you mm-hmm. know you, you just messed up with the JSON properties and you're using using a JSON serializer. Mm-hmm. And JSON serializer is uh, like Jackson is uh, sometimes uh, evil in terms of it uh, throws exceptions if it cannot work, <laughs> and right. sometimes it's 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 even more evil. It mm-hmm. it just do nothing, right? Okay. So it just just does, that's worse, exactly. Uh, yeah, it just <laughs> ignores what is you're saying there. It's just right. deserializing your empty object, and you say like, okay, <laughs> what just and, happened? Yeah. Exactly, and this is if you don't test this. Um, it's it's uh, it's tedious because you are kind mm-hmm. of you know you have a test that tests the uh, the ability of the saga to work right right but uh, in in production it's uh, you're looking the so the, the 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 trick is to look on the database table in the end and right. to look what is being stored mm-hmm. and if you see an empty empty JSON object uh, you probably uh, miss something <laughs> you're doing something wrong yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> because probably this is the, and this is the problem then because then right. What Axon Framework does is then uh, to find the correct saga and mm-hmm. you know to load the correct saga. But it, if it's empty, it doesn't mm-hmm. have any state, so you're you're mm-hmm. not going uh, uh, to make any progress in your right. in your in your business process, right? So mm-hmm. you're you're mm-hmm. still kind of on the wrong track. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is um, so it won't actually perform as expected if 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 uh, the serialization is is uh, not uh, correct. Not and yeah. the best way to do this is just uh, you know test that. Test that, yeah, of course. So, um, just in parentheses, I think it's um, also important to mention the annotation for Saga as well, because we always have to have the at start Saga. And um, do we always have at end Saga? Um, yeah, there are. It, it, you know, I'm in consultancy, so it depends. <laughs> as usual, it <laughs> my depends. favorite answer. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it depends. Actually, actually not. So, um, yeah, there is a notion of end uh, Saga annotation, so you can mm-hmm. just uh, put it on the event handler. And that yeah. means that the event handler that is uh, so it, it, it's being executed, and mm-hmm. after it's executed, this saga will uh, be uh, yeah ended, we'll end, which yeah. means it will be de- deleted from the database and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, uh, uh, but you know, putting annotation on a method means it's unconditional, right? So independently right. of what happens inside of this method, in mm-hmm. the end, it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to put it in some conditional blocks, mm-hmm. then um, you have a saga lifecycle. Which is uh, which is similar to what you have in an aggregate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, you, there is a method which is uh, in, uh, called in Saga, and you can mm-hmm. it's a static method. You can just call it inside of the uh, Saga execution, and then yeah. uh, you have some condi- you you may have some conditions like you know if then mm-hmm. else, and then mm-hmm. in some uh, case you end up with Saga, because, in yeah. some cases you're not. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So that's the way you, how you conditionally end up. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So um, kind of going back a little bit, can we talk about the um, Saga Association and what is that? Yeah, we we briefly um, yeah, mentioned that actually. Uh, so mm-hmm. there must be a way how y- your your correct instance of a Saga is found, right, inside yes. of the application. So mm-hmm, if, you, mm-hmm. if we, in our, in our example, we have like, you know, we have hundreds of orders in our system mm-hmm. right. and now you know, and one of the aggregates fires and and, and uh, 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 yeah, a relevant event, and the saga mm-hmm. needs to be notified, right? So right. the question is how to find the correct one. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, for that purpose, um, Axon framework providers with so-called saga associations. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, some information that is also persistent uh, by the framework itself. Right. And um, so uh, the idea, it's, it's kind of similar to what the uh, aggregate um, and target aggregate identifier, identifier uh, in yes. the command handling and dispatching is used, right? Right, right. So there is a notion of, um, of uh, yeah, there is a notion of identif- uh, yeah, identification, the correct saga from the values of the event. Okay. Yes, yes. But in contrast to the aggregates where you, it's, it's easy because the command must be directed to exactly one guy. Right. right. So you have this direction, mm-hmm. and then you need exactly one field to identify the uh, the aggregate. Right. In sagas, it's not like this because the saga can say, you know, I'm uh, listening to different events, mm-hmm. and um, they can come from different um, from different aggregates. Right. So right. there might be multiple identification inside of the mm-hmm. same um, uh, business process. Right. So in our right. example, we could have. You know, the order ID could be an identification of our mm-hmm. business process, the shipment right. ID, the payment ID, and whatever, right? So that mm-hmm. exactly. you just associate these IDs to your mm-hmm. saga, mm-hmm. and then inside of the event handler, you can you can make sure that uh, so having the saga event handler, you can say what what field inside of this event denotes mm-hmm. one of the IDs right. that your your association with uh, right. is maintained actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the way how Axon Frameworks routes, uh, yeah, events to correct Saga instances. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. And uh, talking a little bit about um, annotation a little bit also. Uh, so when we have that uh, Saga class, because that was one of the things that I was a little bit confused about um, when uh, I first came across the notion of uh, Sagas. So when we create a Saga, of course, at the beginning, at the top of your class, basically, you have the add Saga to... Uh, notate that this class is going to be a saga and that basically lets the framework know to to do certain things and that the framework does so wonderfully. Um, The other thing that uh, we briefly talked a little bit about uh, two bounded contexts um, and this is one of the things uh, or in between two aggregates for for that matter. I think it's also important to note that at the beginning as you mentioned a little bit ago that um, we have to uh, have the um, identification, some sort of identification on which aggregates we are communicating this saga in between, right? So um, for instance, if you have your um, payment uh, aggregate and then you have the uh, order aggregate, the IDs uh, of those or the um, aggregate identifier has to be included within the saga class so that we know exactly which which ones the saga is uh, communicating with. And as you just mentioned with the association, uh, with the Saga association, the when we do the uh, start aggregate, so uh, uh, or start Saga, excuse me, um, when we have that uh, annotation of at start Saga and underneath it, we use the at Saga event handler. I think that's also uh, important to mention because it's not just a simple event handler. It has yeah. to be the at Saga event handler. Then right after that, in parentheses, it's where we're uh, putting the association. So the association property is the uh, aggregate identifier of the first aggregate you want to communicate. And then the next one is the um, association of the other aggregate, basically, you want to aggregate uh, to communicate with. And uh, um, when you mention the end saga, sometimes it depends, right? Um, if 
there was a there was a saga that uh, one of my colleagues uh, and I um, were working on. Actually, she was working on, it and I, I was uh, kind of watching the process as she was going. Um, and we did start off the aggregate because, uh, or started the saga because we were trying to communicate with the first aggregate, and then we used the end saga for the second aggregate because we wanted this the saga to have that um, stage where it actually there's an end uh, or the the life cycle of the saga yeah. if you would so then uh, the association property then of course goes to the uh, the second aggregate in our case for instance um but if you don't even have that end saga uh, annotation you still have the association correct yeah. where you basically tell it where this this uh, um second event has to uh, be handled or come by from the way if you if you don't not. put the end saga at all um, mm-hmm. it will be persistent forever um <laughs> I mean, um, you have to think about this. Um, mm-hmm. For small systems, it might be okay. <laughs> right. But, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, it will live forever in your database. Yeah. Uh, and there may <laughs> be reasons why, why yeah. you think it's a good idea, but uh, essentially, um, uh, it should. It, there should be some, some way of ending a saga. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, I'd like to, um, you, you asked actually some time ago about this, um, what happens if we communicate a cross-bounded context? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. Uh, and I love this, you know, this this is kind of this wisdom of DDD, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you just encounter it again and again. Uh, so DDD spends a lot of effort of, of this context mapping in relation between different right. um, uh, business con- uh, bounded mm-hmm. contexts uh, in the strategic design, actually. Right. And there is a bunch of patterns describing the possible integration between them. You know, you have this partnership where they're kind mm-hmm. of equal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then there is this customer supplier, sometimes called upstream downstream. Yeah. Where, you know, the one is kind of, yeah, basically, com- yeah. Your core system, what, basically. Yeah, yeah, kind of core system. And the other mm-hmm. one is just accepting what is coming in. Right. And then in this customer supplier, you have these different different terms introduced. Like you can be a conformist where you just accept the the uh, ubiquitous language of supplier. So you just yeah. say, okay, I'm I'm kind of a bounded context with my own language. But mm-hmm. in, uh, if, if that guy speaks to me, then I it's fine. I just take... Uh, the words he's using. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you're not willing to do so. So sometimes mm-hmm. you want to translate, and this is called anti-corruption layer. So yeah. you you adopt the supplier ubiquitous language to your own language. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes there is this open host service where you know you know I have a public API, and this right. is the uh, yeah. My name is Amazon, and if you mm-hmm. want to speak with me, you basically you know. And right. sometimes it's even it's even more than you have this published language in addition, mm-hmm. right? So usually. Mm-hmm it's kind of bound. You have open host service using published language. Okay. So it's sure. a known, well-known API, you know, provider. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And the the initial and strongest aspect of this classification is uh, because it's it's enormously affects the team communication. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So depending on this, um, yeah, if you, if, if you go with this, with this design that you say my different bounding contexts are implemented by different teams, project teams, right. then the communication will be affected depending on the relationship between the bounded context. And mm-hmm. this is a part of your domain usually. Yes. Okay. So, so the, this, is, this relationship is not something we create in software. Mm-hmm. But this relationship is part of your domain modeling. So you, don't, you, right. you cannot actually change it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but the, there are also technical 
uh, reasons to think about this. Of so course. apart from this communi team communication and what kind of you know uh, interface you need and what mm -hmm. kind of project management you need across the teams. Right, right. Um, and um, um, yeah, so I think one of the let me let me let me give you an example. So mm -hmm. uh, I think you had um, you had a um, um, podcast. I'm not sure if it was with Steven or with Alert about event sourcing and event streaming. It was with Steven, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that was a Steven. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and of course, if you, if you say uh, so, uh, how how he explained uh, event streaming, right? So we mm -hmm. were speaking about Kafka and uh, all this stuff. All this yes. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, if your context is just streams events, mm -hmm. okay. So independent how it stores internally and so on. Yeah. And it's it just doesn't care who is consuming them and uh, whatever and what, how components react to them. Mm -hmm. um, then it's it's obviously not partnership relationship between the contexts because right. it just don't care, right? So it's just yep. uh, yeah, and then it's just communicating facts, and mm -hmm. there are no intentions in some in these facts. So this is just right. this just happened, right? Exactly. And there are scenarios where you 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 want exactly that, right? So if you have yeah. some some sensors measuring something and they mm -hmm. transform this data, and then of course, I mean, this happened, right? right. There is no, there is no. Uh, if you <laughs> want to accept this, right. yeah, I, I mean, I would like to not to accept that it's actually raining outside, but it's raining outside, right? So it's, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it's it's slightly different if we speak about you know driving business process where mm -hmm. we have we have a different um, relationship between components. Right. So um, because if the the next component can refuse a command, that means that you know you want to know this feedback, and our business process need to react to this. So you cannot right. just ignore it. Okay. Of course. Um, yeah. So um, if we yeah so so if we if we if two contexts are speaking with each other mm -hmm. um then there is a notion of this so first of all of this translation right right so for this translation which is the anti corruption layer from the mm -hmm. ddd um mm -hmm. it must it might be a good idea to to introduce kind of a middleman Right. Because, because otherwise you have this problem of you know chicken and an egg and you say yeah who is responsible <laughs> of translating exactly. um and um uh, especially in technical systems mm -hmm. um if we speak about you know java uh, mm -hmm. or java based system there will be if if you're building a translator there will be um uh, at least as lo as long as you are you're using a java type system uh, yeah you will have a dependency actually right, right. so right. if you if you need to translate between a and b mm -hmm. and a is uh, and this translator is located on the a side it right. will have a dependency to B because it needs to know the classes of B, right? Exactly. W which is kind of strange if you say, okay, I'm building an anti-corruption layer which should decouple my bounded context. And mm -hmm. then I put on my bounded context something that I want to translate to because he's next to my pro in my process, right? Right, right. You can inverse this and say, okay... Um, basically you're building the ESCL on the other side, on the receiver mm -hmm. side, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, which is kind of natural. So if you draw the diagram, the ESCL right. is usually put on the receiver side in the mm -hmm. DVD context maps. Mm -hmm. But that means that the receiver must know who is sending commands to him. Sure. 
which yeah. is kind of also very strange in terms of, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we are speaking about software design, right? So, right. and uh, yeah, to solve this problem, sometimes it's just advisable to say, you know, we have a middleman. So we have exactly. someone who, who actually is, is, is doing this technically. So mm-hmm. the SEL is logically on the receiver side, but technically right. there is a middleman who is responsible for just knowing A and B. A and B mm-hmm. can completely independently develop their context and change right. the APIs. Yeah. And then there is a guy in the middle who is saying, okay, I, I know what fields needs to match. Okay. So and I, I think need... that's when we also, uh, as you mentioned, it's important to know which system is sort of upstream and which system is downstream. And I think that's um, important to mention that um, that's when the design comes in. And that's why we always talk about when we, we're uh, designing a system, it takes uh, quite a bit of time because you want to be aware of these um, uh, quote unquote future changes or um, uh, things that you want to evolve within your application. So I think it's it's important to uh, note that which system you want it to be the core system and which system you want to be supporting system and which system can be a completely third party. You can just give it to somebody else an off the shelf, you yep. know, uh, kind of system that you can use. So it's, it's really an interesting um, conversation, which I will have some so at some point in the, in the future to really um, talk about those business decisions, because we are eventually trying to um, resolve this domain uh, need that we have, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the domain is the business model that we have. And we have to, uh, based on uh, what kind of requirements that we have on this bis- business, then the technical aspects of it sort of trickles down from that. And um, so yeah, that's that's this really important um, thing that you just mentioned. Where is um, you know which which one is upstream, which one is downstream? Where is this translator in between? Where is this middleman has to be in between so that it doesn't necessarily affect the um, functionality of either system? And you can just develop your systems and grow them as as you wish. Um, and even in the future, you can make one of the systems uh, completely a third party system again. You can just say, oh, this system I don't want to d- deal with. Um, maintaining it or what have you there's an uh, you know off the shelf system that i can use easily and that way you can just make that a, a system out of your um basic uh design and uh systems and so forth but yeah please uh, continue you were <laughs> yeah, <laughs> saying, was, i was just wanted to mention it's uh, very interesting you know um, i'm uh, a lot on this business uh, business process management mm-hmm. uh, uh, basically yeah kind of uh, domain of applications and so on right and um, ben drucker um, who's a yeah one of the founders of camunda bvm so mm-hmm. one of these uh, process engine uh, products yeah um he's he's a lot in this you know ddd and cqrs and this kind mm-hmm. of you know what kind of orchestration patterns or is it a choreography or orchestration how does mm-hmm. it work yeah and he um so he speaks a lot about this, uh, you know, this kind of integration patterns between bounded contexts. So what right. happens? And the interesting part there is um, that sometimes it's very difficult, as, as you said, what is the core system, right? So right. it's very difficult yeah. to decide if you have a complete business mm-hmm. uh, line in front of you, which right. you know includes, you know, from order placement to maybe uh, production and shipment. So yeah. what is the core of it? How you decide where, where it is? Exactly. It, 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 it's kind of it's kind of important to understand. And, and mm-hmm. you know what what business uh, process management people tend to do is to say, you know, the core is the end to end process. 
Right. So there is no yeah. core in terms of what business uh, bounded context at the core. Sure. But there is a business process which is, you know, which gives us the value from so the value chain from the start, from the order placement to the to the shipment. So this mm-hmm. is the core of our business. Might and be. then, of course, we need the, the individual functions like, you know, we of need course. the inventory and we need the payment right. service and we need the, the production. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, there is no something like, you know, who is core and who is dependent. <laughs> I guess it would come down to like, which one is the money maker, right? <laughs> yeah, but in the end, in the end, it's the entire business process. You, if you, you, you just produce stuff, but you cannot sell this. You right. have a lot of stuff, but it's not there. The inventory yeah. is full. <laughs> right. If you if you just sell, but you don't produce, it, it's all, so all the parts should fit together, right? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why you know he's he's um, he denotes um, as a pattern of external orchestrator, right? So mm-hmm. he says like you know this. In, in terms of uh, DDD, you will have something like, you know, you have bounded uh, context. Right. And they are tied up together to the end-to-end process by this right. external orchestrator. Mm-hmm. And then there is, of course, a very interesting discussion if is the external orchestrator actually an own bounded context or not? <laughs> or is it <laughs> just glue between existing bounded context? And this is, you know, this is very, very advanced. Yeah. Kind of to sum it up, if you communicate across uh bounded context mm-hmm. so you will require you will definitely require event handling component mm-hmm. that is able to send commands right so yes. this is, you, you cannot avoid this yeah as soon as it's, it's usually stateful mm-hmm. right um it should be a saga in axon right okay yeah. Yeah. otherwise you will stick up you know with subscribing event handler Mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah, but but you should be stateful, and uh, you should not actually uh, from from the con- uh, from the point of view of uh, of coupling or yes. decoupling in decoupling, this case, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't want to couple two business process uh, two uh, bounded context uh, inside of the same unit for work. Yeah, right? yeah. So they That's should a no, be no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They should be decoupled. If they are decoupled, the the only notion of you know, running running a common transaction is mm-hmm. to try it. If it doesn't work, compensate it, right? Okay, right, so this right. is a usual way how you, you act in, uh, you know, in a compensation sphere. Right. And uh, this is this is uh, completely okay. And the saga is the way to go there, right. definitely. Absolutely. Um, but just just a spoiler it, it won't be easy right so because yes. you have as we as we speak i mean we we're speaking a long time for now but but it's, you know we <laughs> it's, we're just uh, scratching the surface yes, really because there's so much a lot of stuff here yeah yes of course and we always recommend um whenever we get questions regarding sagas can you manage whatever you're trying to manage with an event handler with a simple event handler if that's a yes, then don't use the Saga. But yeah. if that's a no and you have to, as you mentioned, it has to be stateful, then you can use Saga, but really be aware of um, how you use it and also really pay attention to the, again, we go, go back to the design of the application and design of your systems to make you know, sure I that had, actually I had, works. I had a very easy, uh, you know, if you're writing serialization tests for Saga and right. you find out that you don't have anything to store, Mm-hmm. probably you don't need a saga, it's, a saga. it's right. very easy <laughs> exactly exactly i like that that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it as well so um simon would you like to add anything else that um 
I mean, there's there's a lot more to talk we about. Can, but we, can, we, <laughs> we can talk hours and exactly, weeks about exactly. this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you you can be sure I will come back and uh, have a lot more questions for you and we can uh, continue the discussion. But I really appreciate you taking the time today and uh, going to some of these really interesting topics in a little bit more depth with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Thank uh, you. It was as, a joy as usual. Thank you. It's and... a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Thanks so much. And I hope you have a fantastic day. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to my talk with Simon. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next time as I discover more about Axon and its ecosystem. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.